0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Do you ever feel like the world is spinning out of control? Amidst the world's chaos and growing opposition to our faith, economic hardship, and overwhelming challenges, we can find inspiration from the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. Despite facing an angry king, severe drought, massive opposition, and depression, Elijah lived a powerful and impactful life for God. Join us for our series, Elijah, as we learn how the same God Elijah served can use us to live a life of impact for his kingdom.
1: All right, this morning you have a Bible electronic device. I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. We're going to be in 1 Kings, chapter 18. This morning, 1 Kings chapter 18, i want—I got a question for you uh, this morning as we get ready to dive in. How much of your life would you say, or what amount of your life would you say you pray? Is, is prayer an important aspect of your life? Do you find victory in prayer, or do you find frustration in prayer? Maybe you're here today and your prayer life is kind of sporadic. Maybe it's not consistent. And maybe when you pray, you pray and you don't feel like your prayers are going any higher than the ceiling. Or when you pray, you feel like God is not answering your prayers and it makes you kind of frustrated. Or maybe you're here today and you're a prayer warrior. You're like, I see strongholds coming down all the time because I pray and I know God is active and he's at work. And I think today we're going to be talking about prayer. But I I know that in this place, there's probably a wide range of understanding of prayer. Sometimes there's frustration. Sometimes there's, there's anger. Sometimes you're like, why even pray? If God has already determined all things, why should I pray? If we already know how it ends, what's the purpose of me praying? And so today I want us to, as we dive into God's word, I want us to be aware of one of the promises of God. That comes in the book of James, which is at the uh, near the end of the New Testament. James, the half brother of Jesus, says this about prayer. He says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Would you say that that is an indicator of your prayer life? Are, are you that righteous person that when you pray, you see power and effectiveness? Or do you, is your prayer life something a little bit different? You know, that verse in James goes on to say this. So the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And it goes on and says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. See, I love how James illustrates the power of prayer by looking back to the life of Elijah. And you know, if you've been here over the past several weeks, we've been taking a look at the life of Elijah. We've been taking a look in 1 Kings chapter 18. We started in 17 or 16, and we started walking through his life, looking at how God used him to carry about his plans for his kingdom. Last week, we looked about how prayer in Elijah's life did something mighty. Remember, they're up on top of Mount Carmel, and we see there are two gods at war the God of Baal and the God of the universe, Almighty God. And they set up this contest to see which God was more powerful. And so we see the the altar of Baal being surrounded by the priests and all those. And they're praying and they're calling upon their God to to consume the altar. And nothing happens. And Elijah looks at them and says, hey, maybe your, your God's asleep. Maybe you should scream a little bit louder. Maybe he's going deaf to you. And so they scream a little bit louder. And yet the time comes and still no answer. And then we see Elijah pray. He prays to Almighty God, and fire comes down from heaven and consumes everything. And in that moment is a very visible picture that Yahweh God is more powerful than any other man-made God of all time. And it comes through prayer. And so we see Elijah's life, and we're like, there must have been something so special about Elijah. He must have had, like, secret knowledge of God, or maybe he was more spiritual than us and i love how james reminds us is that elijah was a man with a nature like ours what what, what james is saying is there's nothing special about elijah elijah was just a servant of god that believed god believed that his words were true and did the work to communicate to god and god answered so today, I want us, as we jump into the text, we're going to look at three ways that we can grow in our prayer life according to the model that Elijah gives us, and we're going to see today that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So, what does that look like? Well, we're going to see three ways in which that fleshes itself out in the life of Elijah. Look with me in in First Kings chapter eighteen, beginning in verse forty-one. Chapter 18, beginning in verse 41. It says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went down, or went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down in the earth and put his face between his knees. So, what we're going to see first of all, if we want to be, have prayers that are powerful and effective, we must begin by praying in alignment with God's word. It begins by praying in alignment with God's word. Now, let me remind you again, the, um, at the beginning of this, we see the word of the Lord had come to Elijah. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, go tell King Ahab. Now remember, King Ahab was the, the king of God's people. And he had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Instead of worshiping God, he worshiped Baal and worshiped all kinds of other things and led the nation of Israel away from worshiping God. And God had had enough. And so God comes with this message of judgment against Ahab and against God's kingdom. And he tells them, he says... Go tell him that it's not going to rain. And so um, he goes and he tells him that it's not going to rain for a long time. I'm going to pray and it's going to stop raining. And then I'll pray again and it'll start raining. And so we see that God is trying to truly show that he is a God above all gods. And so he's already done this. We learned about the altar last week. And so this is coming on the cusp of this. God shows up in a mighty way on top of this mountain and shows that he's mightier than any other God. And Elijah then goes immediately to King Ahab and he says, Go, go over there, prepare yourself for the for the Lord is going to bring the rain. And so King Ahab goes and he begins to have the feast. And what do we see Elijah do? Elijah has great expectations. Elijah knows that God is true to his word. That God always does what He says He will do. And God's promises are true. God's promises are stuff that we can hold on to in the darkest of nights, in our highest of joys. And what does He do? He goes to the top of the mountain and buries Himself down in a humble position before the Lord and He prays. He calls out to the Lord. He's not presuming, He knows God's going to answer. He's very assured that God is going to answer because God has been faithful through his whole life. He could look back and see that God was faithful through every step. And how does he position himself? In absolute humility and dependence upon God. Elijah looks at situations in life and has a firm understanding that he is, has the inability to fix the situations that are before him. With every situation that faced him, he knew that there was nothing he could do to fix it. So in absolute humbleness, he comes to God with his requests. That's simply it. He has a need, he comes to the Lord. He sees a, a situation that he can't control, and instead of trying to fix it, he comes to the understanding, and he says, I can't, but God can. And then he prays to the God that can, the God that has the ability to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And so this is what he does again. And let me remind you that prayer is humiliating work. Did you take that in? Prayer is humiliating work. Why? Why? because it's an admission of our limits. I'm limited in what I can do. I am not all-powerful, I am not all-knowing, but God is. And for us to say, hey, guess what? I've got limits, I've got limitations, I can't, but God can. Like, that's not the message that we're hearing in the world today. Right, the, the world tells us to, to make it happen, to try harder, to be better. And God says, no, I don't need you to do that. Just do the humiliating work of, of confessing and saying, hey, I can't. I can't do this. See, but sometimes our experience when we pray and we do the humiliating work of prayer, sometimes God doesn't grant the request of our prayers. Right? And that can be frustrating. It can be frustrating because I think sometimes we don't understand the heart of God when, the, when we pray. Right? I'll admit to you and I'll confess to you, there's no secret formula in prayer. Right? There's not a, a rote prayer that you pray. Even though Jesus tells us this is the way that you should pray, he's giving us kind of a, a, a outline of prayer. But there's nothing magical about that prayer. It's the heart that is behind it. You see, prayer is simply just talking to God. And your prayers to God may sound like a babbling baby, but we should pray anyway. Pray anyway, because at the heart of prayer is, a, is an omission of our own limitations. And as we pray and we invite God to help, that's what it is. It's, a, it's an invitation, just like a child that, that may be struggling with tying their shoe. They come to a place of saying, hey, I don't know how to tie my shoe, so mom or dad, will you help teach me? Right? In the same way a parent wants to come and they want to help, but the parent can't help until they know that there's a problem. And so when we pray, we Pray to God, asking Him for help. And James, going back to James, the book of James, he says this in chapter 5, verse 2. He says, You do not have because you do not ask. That's a promise from God. You do not have because you do not ask. You can't expect God to, to answer your prayers if you're not praying them. And so we pray them. And we open the doorway for God to intercede. And it goes on in verse three. It says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly because you want to spend it on your own passions. When we pray, it communicates our need. And sometimes we pray with the wrong motives and God doesn't grant our requests. But that doesn't mean we should stop praying. You see, sometimes we pray, we, we pray with a limited mindset, we can only see life from a small lens. And so when we pray, we pray knowing our circumstances, our situations, we don't see the bigger picture. And sometimes when you pray, you're praying for harmful things. Sometimes we go to the God and we're like, hey God, would you give me a poisonous snake? God, I I just want to love a poisonous snake. Please just give me a poisonous snake. I need a poisonous snake. And God's like, I'm not giving you a poisonous snake. You don't know how to handle a poisonous snake. That poisonous snake is gonna bite you and it's gonna hurt you. So I'm not giving you a poisonous snake. And then you're like, God, you're not a good God because you're not giving me what I want. Sometimes we pray for harmful things. Sometimes we don't know what it is that we're praying for. So we see here in the book of uh, as Elijah's case, He's praying in the promises of God. When you pray in alignment with God's word, that's when there's power. Don't just go to God with your list of all the things that you want. I mean, there was a time in my life, never forget this, I was a kid. I had just gotten glasses a couple weeks Um, before and so I'm learning how to use these glasses and it was like a Friday night and I was jumping on my bed and my glasses fell off my face and uh, I picked them up on the side of my bed and the earpiece was not broken but it was no longer connected to my glasses. And my parents warned me with the most stern warnings, you break these things, I break you. And so I'm like, okay, I just broke my glasses, now comes... The punishment. And so I was like, oh, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? So I put my glasses, I put the earpiece back together onto the the glasses and I folded them up and I put them in my my eyeglass case and I went to bed and I was like, oh, Lord, if you're there, please fix my glasses. (laughs) Like, God, please fix my... God, I, I'll do anything if you would just fix my glasses. I'll give you my life, I'll give you my heart, I'll give you my first child, I'll give you any. Please just fix my glasses and in my mind. What I thought, because I know God is powerful enough to do whatever He wants. Right? He parted the Red Sea. He makes dead people come back to life. I know the God that I'm praying to. And so I thought in my mind, okay, God's gonna answer my prayer, and somehow He's He's gonna fix those things. And I'm gonna wake up in the morning and it's gonna be fine. So I'm praying. Saturday morning wakes up. I wake up extra early. I'm like, I'm not gonna not gonna look at him yet. I put my hands on him. I'm like, Lord, please. Lord, please, please. Right? Some of you guys are feeling me. You're like, I've been there. I've done that. And then I was like, okay, it's the moment of truth. Pull them out. Uh, they're not fixed. They're in the same situation that they were the night before when... It came up came apart. And my heart in an instant just sunk. And my faith in God was tested. God, are you really there? God, do you really care? God, do you really love me? And so I got up and I went downstairs with my head hanging down. I'm eating breakfast, and my dad comes in. He says, Jeff, where are your glasses? Lord help me give me the strength <laughs> I said dad I'll be right back so I run up into my room I grab the glasses I come down he pulls them out of the case and he's like dude what's happened I was like dad I was jumping on the bed last night and they fell off and then and then this happened I and he, and he looks at me and he's investigating the thing he's like okay hold on a minute he goes to his room comes back down and they're fixed I was like, Dad, what did you do? Did you pray to God? He's like, no, Jeff. He's like, no, Jeff. The screw popped out. I had an extra screw upstairs, so I went upstairs. I screwed it back in. Here you go. Here are your glasses. Guess what? God answered my prayer. God answered my prayer. See, I'm telling you this because sometimes we pray and we're like, God, it's got to be this way. Pray, I prayed this way. And I want you to intercede, I want you to do it. God's like, no, you pray. You pray for what you need. I needed my glasses fixed. And either God was gonna fix them by his own self, he's gonna use my father, or he was gonna use the optometrist's place, they were gonna get fixed. God knows our needs. When we put limitations on God, that's when we're like, God, you're not really there. But when we pray in alignment with God's word, we know that our prayers are powerful and our prayers are effective. Praying in the promises of God. Now, we don't have time this morning to go through. I, I've just, I went through scripture this week and I, I just quickly came across 15 promises from scripture. And if you wanna pray the promises of God, pray these promises. These are things that God promises Right, like a a father going to a child and they say, hey, I promise to care for you. Well, you live as a child, you live in the blessing of that promise and you call upon that promise. You go to your father, you say, hey, father, I'm hungry. He's like, okay, let's order some pizza. Right, when you're communicating the promises from promises that are made, when you're calling on the promises, you can guarantee those promises are coming coming through. So these are 15. God's promises, God promises That he'll never fail. Even though we constantly fail, God promises he will never fail. God promises that he's always good. God promises that he's always with me. God promises that he will provide for all of your needs. God promises that he's faithful. God promises that he's kind and compassionate, especially after we mess up. Like when we mess up big time, we make a mess of our lives and we're like, God, you promise. You promised that you're gonna take me back. You promised that you, so please, Lord, take me back again. Lord, take me back again. God, take me back again because you were kind and compassionate. God promises that you are designed for a purpose. God promises that he loves you deeply no matter what. God promises to give you power for life. God promises to fill you with overflowing hope. God promises that he will strengthen you and help you. God promises that he will give you wisdom when you're set in situations that you don't know which way to go. God promises you an abundant life. God promises that he has a plan for you and God promises that he can be trusted. Those are just a few of God's promises. When we pray for those things, God answers our So, I encourage you, set aside time to daily pray. Pray the promises of God. Look for yourself in scripture and find the promises and pray them. I guarantee you, whatever you're going through right now in your life, there's a promise in God's word for you. You pray that promise and God will step in. Second, I gotta move quickly. Powerful and effective prayer is someone that persists in pursuing God's promises. Someone that persists in it. Look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 43. This is Elijah, and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea, and he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go go again, seven times. And on the seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. Now let me give you the context of what's going on. Remember, Elijah uh, had told King Ahab, because of God's bringing his judgment upon you, he's gonna withhold the rain, he's gonna defeat your gods, and you're gonna know that he is God alone. And so now comes time that God has been faithful to his promises to this point, and um, Elijah now goes to the top of Mount Carmel, he's buried his head in the ground, and he's praying, oh Lord, bring the rain, Lord, bring the rain, Lord, bring the rain. And there's a servant there with him, and he says, okay, now you, servant, you go over there and you see if if the rain's coming. And so the servant comes back, he's like, no, the rain's not coming. Elijah's like, okay, Lord, bring the rain. Lord, bring the rain. Lord, bring the rain. Hey, servant, go see. No rain. Comes back. He prays again. This happened seven times. And then on the seventh time, the servant goes, and he sees this tiny little cloud. Three years, three and a half years, no rain, no clouds, no nothing, and now the little puff of smoke comes up, and the servant comes back to Elijah, and he's like, It's coming. It's coming, and it's coming in a way that God had promised. Behold, a little cloud is coming. Elijah was persistent in his prayer. He's pursuing the promises of God, and God steps in like God always do. We are to persevere in prayer until we prevail. Do you hear that? Persevere in prayer until you prevail. Even though there may not be any signs for a season I can tell you the importance of persistent prayer in my own life you see I learn a couple things about persistent prayer you see our lives we only see as I said earlier our, our lives only see a small portion of the bigger picture so God sees all so when we come to God and our prayers we're coming to him with a limited perspective we're coming to him with our limited ability and our limited perspective and yet we don't know how God is moving all the other pieces in and around our lives. God's got a lot of work to do, right? So when you pray that healing comes, when you, when you pray that reconciliation comes, guess what, You're not just pre- it's not just you, you and God that's got to do the work. God's got to work in the hearts of a lot of other people to, to move things around and sometimes that takes time. And so God, you have to understand that God's working through all of the complexity of life on our behalf. That's the first thing I've learned. The second thing is that our prayers do not change God's mind or his heart. You're not praying to seek to move the will of God. We pray so that our hearts and our lives conform to the will and the mind of God. That's why we pray. Because you and I always are gonna pray from selfish perspectives. Let me show you how that worked in my life. When I was 16 years old or 15 years old, I heard from one of our youth leaders that I should be praying for my spouse. I'm like, okay, I'll start praying for my spouse. So I didn't know who she was. I knew I wanted to be married. I knew I didn't have the gift of singleness. So I'm like, I'm gonna pray. So I began praying the list of all the things I wanted in a spouse. I'm like, Lord, make her beautiful. Lord, make her fast. Lord, make her this, make her that. I want her to look like this. I want her to smell like this. I want her to, so I had this long loss. So every single night, I'm persistently praying for this list. I'm like, God, this is who she needs to be. This is what she needs to look like. And that went on for a while. And I learned that I wanted to begin praying as I got a little bit older. Girls would come into my life that kind of met up to my list. And I'm like, Lord, is she the one? So my prayers changed from, God, this is what I want, to every girl that came into my life. I'm like, Lord, is she the one? Lord, is she the one? Is she the one? Is she So my prayers were a little bit different. And then they even over time, as I learned a little bit more about myself, began to pray, Lord, help me be the right man for whomever my spouse is. Lord, help me be ready to receive this gift that you're going to give me. And then, Lord, give me wisdom to understand whom you have chosen for me. You see how that's different? Like, like, you go from selfish prayers, which are still praying, to going into praying the promises of God. In order to be a husband, I needed to be ready to lead whomever this person was, and I had to be persistent in praying for that. Lord, help me be ready. Lord, help her to be ready to to get all of this. I can say that because she's not here right now. <laughs> I know I'm in deep trouble. So it's not always that God instantly answers our prayers. It's not, not the purpose. Sometimes he does. Sometimes you pray and it'll happen right away, but there's beauty in the persistentness of our prayers where we're coming to God and we're saying, God, this is my need. And we pray his promises and our prayers change over time. And we might agonize over the apparent delay of God or the length of time in which God uh, chooses to answer But don't give up. Parents, don't give up praying for your wayward kids. Broken relationships, don't give up and praying for reconciliation. Don't give up. Pray. Give God the space to change your heart as you pray. Prayer is powerful and effective if it is persistent in pursuing God's promises. Keep chasing after God's grace. Thirdly, I want us to see that we are called to plan to respond to God's grace. Plan to respond. Like you plan in your heart, when God answers, I'm going to respond. I'm going to walk through it. When God answers my prayer, I'm going to walk through. Not be afraid, but I'm going to walk through it. Unless we see this in First Kings chapter 18, verse 44, the second half. And he says, and he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew black and the clouds and wind, and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was with Elijah and gathered up his garments and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Seeing now, Elijah's now seeing that God is fulfilling his promises, the rain is coming. He tells the servant, go tell Ahab to get out of Dodge because the rain's coming and you wanna be stuck where you're at having the party right now when the rain comes because your travel will be difficult. So go go get to the city, go get to Jezreel. And the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, you get there first. And so what does Elijah do? He books it straight to Jezreel because he's got to get there before Ahab gets there. And in essence, what God is saying is God is laying before Ahab an opportunity of his grace. Right? Ahab did not deserve rain. Ahab and God's people deserved to die there in the fe- the famine and in all of that. They deserve to die. But God, because he's loving and he's gracious and he's merciful, is sending the rain. And so Ahab now is gonna have to choose. Because for his life, he's been worshiping other gods. And we don't see how he responds on the time of the altar. But now Ahab has to choose. Is the, God that, is the God of Israel his God or is he not? And so it's this issue of grace. The grace is standing before him. He sees the power of God all around him. The rain is coming. That means life is coming. That means the things that they were all afraid of, the thing he tried to fix, he couldn't fix, but God could. And the hand of the Lord was with Elijah, sent him ahead as a herald, so that when he arrived in the safety of Jezreel, there is no doubt in King Ahab's mind that this was the grace of God. And instantly being able to reestablish God's leadership to the people of Israel, because you have a prophet from God, And the people of God need a king for God. And so we're at a cliffhanger now because that's where our account ends today. But even before us, just like that, there is grace from God that we must walk through when the time is right. See, in my own life, after I persistently prayed for a wife, God answered my prayer prayer. God answered my prayer, he was faithful to answer my prayer. As I had prayed that I would be ready to receive and lead Sarah, my wife. I needed time to be able to receive her, she needed time to receive me. And you know the cool thing about how God answered my prayer is that I met Sarah a couple years before we were engaged. She had come into my life and through some friends and, and we began to build this friendship and we had a really, really good friendship. At no time in my life was there ever a, I never prayed, hey God, is she the one? Because I'd grown past that one. So I never prayed if she was the one. I just was walking in a great friendship with a good friend that we hung out and we hung out with other friends and everything like that. And then there came a time in, in her life where she came to me and she's like, hey Jeff, uh, I, I, we need to, I'm starting to have feelings for you. And I'm like, whoa. I'm so blown away because you're friend. Like, I don't see you in that way. I, I see you as a good person, and, and I, I tell my kids that the, actually the thought of like kissing her like grossed me out. It'd be like kissing your sister. You know how weird that would be? So, <laughs> I know I'm gonna get it big time. Um, <laughs> So she's, she's proclaiming like, hey, I, I, I feel like we gotta check this out, is this what, uh, what God wants? And I had made a commitment because I was terrible at dating. I had made a commitment that I wasn't gonna date again until it, she was the one. So I'm like, hey, all right, I, I, I see this. I see you're starting to have feelings for me. So hey, can we take a break? Give me time to go seek the heart of God. And I said, I'll come back, I promise I'll come back and I'll give you, but I need I need to know what God wants. And so we we took a break, and she actually went back to Oklahoma for the summer for a couple weeks to be with her family. And so I fervently prayed. I'm like, God, is she the one? Like, is is this what you're doing? Is this the one that I've been praying for my whole entire life? And one afternoon, I was sitting in a um, sitting in a park, and I was praying before I went to work. I was like, Lord, show me show me if she's the one. And and i just felt led to go to proverbs 31 and if you know anything about proverbs 31 it's it's um, it's a list of the things you should be looking for in a wife i didn't know that at the time i just i was just led and i opened up proverbs 31 and I, as i began to read the things of a godly wife i was like she's that she's that she's that she's that she's that i got to the end of the chapter and i'm like she's the one she, she's the one, not, not what I want, but she's the one that God had set apart for me. And so what was my responsibility? To walk in that grace. Like to walk, in, to not have all the, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't even, I can't even say that I had love for her yet. But I knew she was the one. So guess what I did? I went home, made some plans to get on a plane. I went, got on a plane and I flew right down to Oklahoma, went to her and I said, hey, will you marry me? <laughs> I'm walking in some big grace She turns to me and she says, no. <laughs> I'm like, great, God, now what, what are we going to do now? And, and she simply responded, I'm going to say no until you ask my father for his blessing. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So we did that. And it's what God did. It's what God did. God did it. All the other relationships I'd ever tried to have, I was trying to manufacture, I was trying to manipulate, I was trying to do all those things, and yet I prayed, God answered, and then I had to respond to God's grace. I had to walk in the grace that God had given me. You see, the grace that's being extended to Ahab right now is he needed to choose who he was going to bow to. He needed to choose if he was going to bow before Yahweh God or is he going to continue to find another God to bow to. But you see, even in this moment, God is extending his grace. There was another time that God extended his grace even greater. When we see what God does through his son, Jesus, we actually see the fulfillment of all God's promises. All the promises that he made in the Old Testament, everything that God ever promised is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Don't believe me? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this. For all the promises of God find their yes in him, meaning Jesus. That is why it is through him, Jesus, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. God's promises are fulfilled in Christ Your deepest need, your deepest need here this morning is to be made right between a holy God. Your deepest need right now is not to have your marriage fixed. Your deepest need right now is not a financial need. Your deepest need right now is a spiritual need. Because right now, apart from Christ, you sit as an enemy of God. Because of your sin and your rebellion, but God loves you so much that He sent His Son Jesus to come and live a perfect life and die the cross, die on a cross for your sin and for my sin, so that if we place faith in Christ in His work, we may be saved. So, before you today, extends the greatest gift of grace of all time. You can be made right with God through the person of Jesus. That you here today and you're willing to, to lay down your rebellious life, you're willing to trust in the work of Christ, you can do that today. The Bible tells us that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This grace stands before you. If you've already come to the place of trusting in Jesus, then know that you have the beautiful blessing of having an audience with the king of the universe. Your faith in the work of Christ gives you access to the throne room so that you can walk in there and you can say, Abba, Father, I have need. Abba, Father, I need your help because I'm limited. And then we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. And God loves our prayers because he loves to hear his children's voice saying, I need you. Oh, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you every day. I I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. God loves that from his children. So my encouragement to you today is if you're not seeing powerful and effective prayers, the first thing you need to do is be righteous, right? Because the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. The only way that you can be made righteous is through the blood of Jesus. And then when you're righteous, guess what? You pray it. Pray it because God's hearing it. You pray the promises of God. You pray persistent. And then when God answers, you walk in the grace that he gives you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your words today. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your love. And Father, I pray today that you would continue to work inside of each one of our lives. Help us to come to you with our need. Father, help us to stop trying to fix things, stop trying to control everything. But help us to come to you with open hands. Just saying, God, I can't, but you can God, I have no ability to save myself. But way we follow the attitude and the posture of Elijah, where we know that your words are true, we pray in alignment with your word, and we continue to pray so that our hearts become conformed to your heart, our minds become conformed to your mind, and we see you move. Father, I know today there are some here in this place that have been either in the midst of that persistent prayer and they've been praying for a while and they haven't seen you step in. And So Father, I pray that you'd help them to not grow weary. But I pray in the right time and in the right way, you show up and you answered that prayer. And when you do, you get the glory. And when you do, you extend the grace. And when you do, help us all to walk through. Father, now as we sing, continue to minister to our hearts, continue to grow us closer to you, and to do the work in us, we pray in Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.